Hi, this is Ahuka, welcoming you to Hacker Public Radio and another exciting episode in our ongoing series on LibreOffice Calc. And what we're going to do today, <coughs> we're going to follow up on our last uh, tutorial or episode, whatever, where we talked about how to select the right kind of chart or graph. And now we're going to actually get into creating charts and graphs and see how that process works and how we can make something nice and clear. Now in LibreOffice Calc, we can go to the Insert menu and select Chart to get started. Or there's generally a button for it on the standard toolbar. It can be a bit hard to make out, but it shows a pie chart in red with a percent sign in gray on top of it. If you move your cursor over it, the tooltip should say Chart. Clicking this button opens the Chart Wizard. Now step one is to choose the chart type. These are the types we discussed in the previous tutorial, so you should be ready for this step. But you may notice that for each type, you also have several options. They're usually small variations on the main theme of that chart type. So for column, you can have a column chart with more than one variable. This is usually handled by having multiple columns identified by color for each bucket. As an example, suppose you wanted to compare religious preferences in three states. You could have a blue bar for Catholics, a red bar for Protestants, a yellow bar for Jews, and a green bar for Muslims. For each state, you would have these four color-coded bars. That is your first option. Your second option is called stacked. In this case, the bars are placed one on top of the other. The height of the resulting bar would be different for each state, depending on how many people you counted. The third option is percent stacked, and in this case the height of the bars is the same. It's always 100%, but the height of each section represents its percentage. Now, for bar graphs, you've got the same options. For pie charts, your first option is normal, which is the usual pie chart. The second one is exploded, and all that does is separate the, the slices of the pie. It has no added significance and is purely an aesthetic choice. The third option, Donut, allows you to display two variables on a single pie chart. And the fourth option is an exploded donut chart. So it combines the exploded feature with multiple variables. Area. The first option is several data series superimposed, one on each other. The second option is to stack the data series. And the third is percent stacked. This works much the same as with column and bar charts, but is normally done with quantitative data. Line. Uh, option one is points only, which is kind of an odd choice for a line graph, but, you know, maybe you might want to do it. Option two is to display the points and the line connecting them. Option three is to display the line without the points. And then option four turns the line into a 3D surface. Uh, these differences have no significance for the actual data analysis and are purely choices of how the graph is to be displayed. The XY, or scatter. The odd thing here is that you have options to connect the dots. The idea of a scatter plot is that you have no presumption of a relationship that would even make sense of connecting the dots. But the options are very similar to what you have for line graphs. You know, looking at some of these, and, and you can tell, I'm sort of saying, boy, that sounds kind of stupid. Why did they do that? Uh, 
you know, this is a good example of just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. <laughs> Some options just don't make a lot of sense most of the time. Now, for the bubble uh, chart, that, that really only has one variation. Uh, makes it nice and simple for the, what they call the net, which I'm calling radar because that really is a lot more common. Option one plots the points on each spoke. Option two has both points and the lines connecting them. Option three is the lines only. And option four fills in each irregular polygon with a color. I think option one is not a preferred choice here. One of the main virtues of this type of chart is seeing the polygon shape. Stock chart. Basically the choices here have to do with whether you draw in the columns or just let the points exist in space. And for column and line, you've got choices of having the columns side by side or stacked. So the chart type choice really comes down to a little thought about the clearest way to present your data. Nothing more deeply significant is really involved. Now, data range. This is where you need to specify the place where the data comes from. The data can be found on a specific sheet, for starters. Your spreadsheet file can contain multiple sheets or pages within it. Uh, and if you're not clear on that, please go back and look a few episodes back where we talked about that. Uh, by default, they come labeled Sheet 1, Sheet 2, etc., but you can rename them to something meaningful. Note that when you open this up, it gives the range as being a sheet, column, row. What you need to do is click the button to the right of the data range, which will cause the chart wizard to roll up to a single bar. Then using your cursor, click and drag to take in the whole range, and then click that button to the right of the rolled up bar, which will now read expand in the tooltip when you cursor over it. And this will bring back to your chart wizard with that range of data now filled into the data range field. You might notice that the addresses are all absolute cell references. In other words, they all have dollar signs. This is good. You don't want your references moving around when you're making a graph. The next choice is whether your data series are in columns or rows. Columns is the default, as this is most common, but you can flip it around if desired. Why are you being asked this? And why does it matter? Well, I will illustrate. Uh, if we, uh, and you're going to have to download and take a look at this to see what I'm talking about or check it out on the website because I'm going to refer to some visuals here. But uh, I, I did uh, first a graph using our simple savings model. This is from a few episodes back. Um, and if you have that spreadsheet saved, you can open it. Select a range from the cell that says year in the upper left and and drag that down and to the right for the last cell of end amount. So you're going to be saving basically all of your data in this big rectangular area. And then if you have your data series as columns, you will have four, line, four lines on your graph and they all make sense. Now, if we put the data series in columns which is the norm, that's what we get. But suppose we put it in rows. Well, it would try and treat each row as its own series. Th the result is 
kind of weird. Um, so you actually, in that case, you have like 40 different series that you're trying to do on one graph, and the numbers just don't make any sense at all. So, now the other thing in the data range selection, the, the section here, is to select the first row and or first column as being labels. Now, when you take a look at the graph, you can see that if you do this properly, this makes the graph very readable. Since the data series is in columns, each value in the first column becomes a value for the x-axis. Now, in ours, that was the, you know, which year of the savings period, and that makes sense. Um, and then each label in the first row becomes a different line on the graph with its own symbol and legend. So you would see beginning amount is one series, interest earned is another series, annual addition is a third series, and ending amount is a fourth series. Now, when you take a look at it, you know, annual addition would just be a horizontal straight line, of course, because it's just going to be a thousand each year, but the others will show an upward trend over time. Okay. Now we go to data series. And here we can narrow down what we want to show in the graph. Now in our savings model, we have four series, right? We've got the beginning amount, interest earned, annual addition, and ending amount. But we might want to not want to display all four of those on one graph. Suppose we only really wanted to show the ending amount on the line graph. Then we could select the other columns and click Remove. If we later changed our minds and wanted to add back a column, for example, Interest Earned, we could come back here and click the Add button. The other fields, that, uh, what Calc is picking up for the series name, it is reading each column name from the cell in row 1, um, and it's getting its values for the x-axis, here called categories, though that is more appropriate for bar graphs than for line graphs, from the values in column A. Uh, you can manually uh, change these, uh, or click the button to the right of each field and use your mouse to click on what you want. Now, chart elements is the next, and on this tab you can add elements to the chart. First is a title. For our example, let's say it was savings over time. When you type this in, it will appear on the top of the chart and be centered. Then you can add a subtitle. In many cases, you won't want to do this, but to illustrate how it works, we'll add a subtitle, a simple model. This will appear right under the title, but in a smaller font. We can then label each of our axes, if that is not clear. For the x-axis, we could use years of saving. This will appear under the graph in even smaller type. For the y-axis, we will use dollars saved. This will appear in the same font as the x-axis label, but rotated to match the vertical axis. Legend matches up a symbol used for the data points to the name of the series. In the sample I created, for instance, I have a series of green triangles that represent ending amount. By default, this is placed on the right of the graph, but you could move it around. Finally, the grids create grid lines on the graph. 
If you select x-axis, you will get vertical grid lines, and y-axis gives you horizontal grid lines. Y-axis is the default, and it usually makes the most sense. Well, once you've made your choices, click Finish. Now, uh, if you go to my website, you can see the uh, pictures of these graphs, or uh, the final graph is included in a revised version of the Savings Model Spreadsheet, which uh, I have put into the show notes a link so that you can download that and take a look at it, um, or uh, do your own and see if yours looks like what I did on my website. Uh, so I, I hope this is helpful. I know that when we get to visual stuff like charts and graphs, it can be a little hard to do that sometimes in an audio presentation. But uh, I'm hoping this is of some use and at least shows you how you can go through and make these kinds of choices. And then if you experiment with it in LibreOffice, I think you'll get the idea very quickly. So this is uh, Hookah signing off and reminding you, as always, please support free software. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.